All right, good morning, everyone. I'm Delaney Bry, joined by the wonderful. <laughs> Some people will call me that. Jason, <laughs> WTMJ Radio from 620 WTMJ. It's great to be here, Delaney. Thanks for joining me, Jay. And of course, as you can see, this is the Green and Gold Live, hashtag Green Gold Live. So make sure if you have any questions or comments, we are on Facebook. So we're going to try to filter as much of those as possible for you. But first off, I mean, let's just get started. The exciting news last night, Green Bay Packers, Pittsburgh Steelers, big win for the pack over them, 51 to 34. I mean, first off, that's a high scoring game for a preseason. The highest scoring game, in fact, in preseason in Green Bay Packers history, and that's 100 years of Packers football, 80 years of preseason games that you'll look at. But that tells you that, among other things, this offense is deep and mm-hmm. has so many different weapons at so many different levels in the passing game, and not just when Aaron Rodgers is throwing the football. No, and I think that's what's so crazy. You know, of course, we hate to look back on last year, but with Brett Hundley, with the receivers that he had, we saw the lack of production, and even in this preseason alone, it's crazy. I think we felt like, oh, we just have Devontae Adams. We just have Randall Cobb, and that's not the case at all. Oh, so <laughs> this offense, especially when you look at the receiving core that showed up last night and has oh. been there this entire preseason and with a bunch of guys that you would have never expected until they made the draft choices mm-hmm. in May. I mean, everyone's screaming about Jake Kumaro, but you look at uh, <laughs> Valdez Scantling. Yes. You look at... Um, Jamal Moore's had a, had a rough guy, but right. I, I feel like he's one, of, he's one of those guys right now who's practicing a lot better than he's playing, yeah. and he just he just needs that first catch. He just needs that first magical exactly. catch to get him going. Get the confidence there. But also, you look at Equinemius St. Brown. Yep. Um, a, a, a bunch of no-names, if you think about it. And <laughs> people will say, well, why did the Green Bay Packers get rid of Jordy Nelson? Why did they let him go? It's a painful move. Sometimes the best moves are the most painful emotionally that you have to go to. But when you see the potential for brilliance from so many of these different oh, receivers, yeah, it, it, it gives you confidence that there's going to be something there in the cupboard. And this receiving core is deep. There is some competition for some oh, yeah. spots going on right now. Absolutely. And what's crazy to think is that possibly all three of these draft picks could possibly come in and not only be starters in certain rotations, but to also, like you said, with the depth there, I mean, they could all come in and they could all play. Now, of course, we want to leave some room for Jake because we all love Jake. (laughs) (laughs) We want to leave some room for him. I mean, that guy's been a lot of people look at him and it's a name that they don't necessarily register right away. Mm -hmm. And so they associate him with a rookie or maybe even a second year. He's been doing this since 2015. I mean, he has been grinding for that long. So to finally see him be successful with this Packer offense, you know, UW-Whitewater kid, I mean, you couldn't really ask for more. As Wayne Larry put it on the radio broadcast last night, he's become a folk hero here in Green Bay. <laughs> and when, especially when you get the kind of moment that he had last night, sprinting to the house and mm-hmm. having the Lambeau Leap moment oh, yeah. at that 82-yard touchdown, of course that's going to ru- rise the folk hero status. But the fact is, is that he's in some tough competition. If he is... If he makes this roster, let alone gets to a number three, number four, number five slot, that's going to be a whole lot more work that he's got to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of work that we don't necessarily get to see because we don't see all the practices yep. anywhere near as much as, the, uh, as what the coaches themselves will mm-hmm. see. There's only so much tape we get, and the practices so often are just as important, if not more important, oh, than the games. Because you get Aaron Rodgers probably throwing the football a lot more to these guys oh, in yeah. practice than the one drive yesterday. 
Well, we've kind of like doned on the offense and just gushed over them. But let's talk about the defense because they're the one who opened up the touchdowns uh, for this game. Tremon Williams. I mean, 35 years old. He comes back to Green Bay, a place that he's always called his home, and he opens up with a pick six. I mean, I almost stood up in my chair. I was like, we've already scored? It's two minutes into the game. Probably not even two minutes. He is 35 years old, but one, he has the athleticism, and number two, Delaney, he has the institutional knowledge of Mike Pettin's defense more than anybody else on that roster because he played in it Mm -hmm. in Cleveland. He knows exactly what to do. So much more in comparison to the rest of the guys that are trying to figure this defense out. He is going to be so much more valuable than you would expect a 35-year-old player on what many would consider the last few years of, of a career to be. Just because of that, that also makes him incredibly important in the locker room not just making big plays like that pick six from last night. And I know what the haters are probably thinking. They're like, well, it wasn't Big Ben. It wasn't Ben Roethlisberger. If he's in in the pocket, you probably don't get a pick six right off the bat like that. But let's look at the trend of the NFL teams. I mean, we're kind of in this weird one, two-year gap where we're seeing that turnover. I mean, in two weeks when they play the Chiefs, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. We're seeing this trend of young quarterbacks coming in and being the stars and being the league. And I think Williams is going to have a lot of opportunity to take advantage of that week by week as the schedule goes on. And he'll be able to help that Packers defense as well figure out and the same type of thing and get that type of advantage that uh, off those young quarterbacks. Want to take some comments? Sure. All right. We've got a question from Gary. Injuries last night. Yes. Always a worry in preseason. The only one that I think we really noticed that could be serious is Justin McCray with his yes. calf injury at the guard position. He's a guy that the Packers have been thinking about as a replacement for Josh Sitton. As they really haven't had a, a stalwart at that guard spot since Sitton left and went to Chicago. They're trying to find that answer in mm-hmm. what still is a bit of a patchwork offensive line in some cases. Uh, the other one, well, yes, Jake Kumaro, the stinger. Yes, he said it's just a stinger. <laughs> he just he just got a little too excited when he yes. was going into that like that barrel roll. Uh, so He's like, I'm getting a... tired. I need to fall, <laughs> crash right in the north end zone. And then he had enough energy even with the stinger to go up and do the Lambeau League. Now, that could be yeah. a little bit more dangerous, too. Oh, think yeah. About it with, with, all, with all these fans patting on the back. <laughs> at that point, that might not, sort of uh, accentuate the pain. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jamal Williams with his ankle, he wasn't concerned about it at all. He basically just said he got nipped by a defender a little bit, and then he was he was perfectly fine. But when you think of Jamal Williams being possibly the starting running back, the guy, yes. you, if he gets nipped, that take him out. We don't we don't want to make it any more serious than it already is. Yeah, he may not be playing at all until we get to September, mm-hmm. until it gets to September 9th in Chicago. Other comment we have coming from Catherine, and it's a question about the Khalil Mack situation and Ooh. what is the update on getting him potentially in a Green Bay Packers uniform. I, I say do it. Ooh. Why not? The numbers and the salary cap will. Is there a way to be able to pull that off? Mm-hmm. Because we're talking about an Oakland Raiders player who's holding out right now in, with a major contract holdout, saying thirteen million dollars a year is not enough for this pass rush genius, this pass rush wizard who could help the Green Bay Packers fantastically. <laughs> but there's that little problem. How do you sign him for what may be the biggest defensive contract in National Football League history, and then? Resign Aaron Rodgers to be what will be the biggest contract in the history of pro football, maybe one of the biggest in the history of American pro sports. Well, do you just hold out on Aaron? 
Do, do you do you hold out and say not this year, Aaron? Next year, because won't they get rid of uh, Cobb and Clay Matthews? Won't they won't they be in a restructure? There is definite talk about that possibility. I would think Clay Matthews more than Randall Cobb might be more prone to to leaving Green Bay for that reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Matthews is still serviceable, it's just a question of how much uh, more he can put out, how, how how much of a rise he can come back from the injury problems that he's had for so long. But Green Bay does have Aaron Rodgers in-house. Yeah. If you include the two years where he would be franchise tagged Mm -hmm. up to four years, Mm -hmm. he will not be happy if you want to franchise tag him for four years. I'm not going to say Aaron Rodgers is the type of guy that's going to hold out Mm -hmm. as Khalil Mack is, but it's not going to necessarily be the best thing for your locker room if you don't get him locked up long term. And there are creative ways to do it. I think uh, yeah. there was a report from Adam Schefter mm-hmm. from ESPN yesterday that they are crawling pace in terms of making progress, but they're making slow progress. This isn't just going to be the, the richest contract in the history of pro football. This may be one of the most creative. Oh, no, absolutely. Because Aaron Rodgers prides himself on being somebody who sets the bar, Mm -hmm. not just on the field, but off the field, the type of expectations that players should not only have for themselves, but for their bodies and their talents. So absolutely. I mean, we could we could see something where not only he's making the most money because some people believe he should already be making the most money, but something creative, like you said, maybe he has to say it. Maybe he has an option in there. Who knows? Right. What he wants to be able to do is to be able to raise his salary almost on a yearly basis, mm-hmm. at least every other year, to have the capability to renegotiate a contract. I almost think they may do something like what the, what the Patriots have done this year mm-hmm. for one year with Tom Brady, where you build in enough performance bonuses where they're not just necessarily bonuses, but salary escalators. Mm. Say, and I'm just throwing out a number, maybe the number is $32 million a year for Aaron Rodgers, which mm-hmm makes the rest of the, of the entire free world, oh my, oh my gosh. But, <laughs> but $32 million is a base salary. Mm-hmm. But then you tell him, you win a Super Bowl during the duration of this contract, we will automatically escalate your salary every year on opening day of each of the next years to the highest paid contract in pro football as, a, as an actual piece of the contract. Mm-hmm. We'll take the rest of the salaries that of the players that are out there, will bump you up mm-hmm. by an, an extra 5% or an extra buck or whatever it may happen to be. Yeah. They may have to get that creative with this deal in order to accomplish what Rodgers wants, which is to be the highest paid player in pro football and be what he's worth, mm-hmm. and what the Packers want and what, Rod- what Rodgers mutually wants, which is to remain in Green Bay the rest of his career. How dangerous can that be, though, to the rest of the team? Because we don't know. I mean... I guarantee you nobody thought quarterbacks would be making as much as quarterbacks are making now two years ago. So how dangerous does that get if they put something like that in his contract? It it can certainly be massively dangerous if you think about the question of guaranteed money. Because we're now entering an area where the amount of guaranteed cash that these players are getting is astronomical compared to the past. It's not NBA level and Major League level where Mm -hmm. every dollar is guaranteed, but it's starting to get close. (laughs) And that is a major risk that any team will have to take if they want to get the kind of superstar player, the mm-hmm. kind of franchise-defining player, the kind of player that can carry you year after year mm-hmm. to a Super Bowl or to give you a chance to win it all every single year, like Aaron Rodgers can do perhaps no, m- m- can do more than any other player in pro football. All right, well, let's move on in the game because there was a lot that happened. 
Um, oh, yeah. 51 first, points? Oh, yeah. Well, let, while we're talking about Rodgers, I mean, let's go ahead and, and talk about that Rodgers to Graham. I mean, that's what everyone wanted to see. It was finally like, it's like when you're secretly dating somebody and you don't want a lot of people to know about it, but there's whispers about it. And then you go on your first public date. I feel like, I feel like the bromance finally like lifted when when everybody had the Rogers and and the Graham touchdown. Everybody's like, it's true. The magic is true. (laughs) And it was magical when you saw that touchdown pass because you saw a skill from Jimmy Graham that you have not seen in the Green Bay Packers receiving core for years. You got to go back. You got to go back to Jermichael Finley back in 2010 when they won the Super Bowl. You may even need to go farther back than that mm-hmm. to the mid 2000s when Green Bay had Javon Walker at wide receiver, the kind of receiver that could go up to the top, the absolute highest point and mm-hmm. grab the football with the kind of vertical leap that you might see in the NBA. And Jimmy Graham, a former basketball player, has that <laughs> capability. And in the red zone, that is a huge asset. And it's the kind of red zone passing capability they haven't had in a while. And you know what I think is scary is Roger has two of them now. Let's mm-hmm. not forget about Mercedes Lewis. Rogers has yeah. even said he thinks Mercedes has an inch or two on Jimmy every now and then. So, I mean, it's so crazy to think that we've basically gone from no tight end, no tight end action. And last night, the tight ends were doing just as much as the wide receivers were doing, if this, not more. This is what... Letting go of Jordy Nelson gave the Green Bay Packers the capability to do. Mm-hmm. They knew they were going to have the depth at the receiver position to at least in some way make up for the loss mm-hmm. of a Pro Bowl caliber receiver when he's healthy, and he hasn't been healthy. And then with the money that you spend on Nelson, you instead spend it on Graham and Lewis and improve one of your weakest positions. The great teams aren't necessarily always the ones that have three or four superstars. They're the ones that have no Only in basketball. That, that's true. <laughs> but in pro football, it's the teams with no weaknesses. The ones that are balanced with at least good to greatness at every single position. And the Packers got a lot closer because they were able to make those moves at tight end. Well, speaking about making a position stronger this year, I mean, corners. I, Josh Jackson is just unbelievable for a kid to come in as a rookie Mm -hmm. and to just be as star studded as he's been as electric as he's been on the defense not to mention Oren Burks as well but I mean I gotta say it Josh may have been the second round pick but a lot of people were saying it whispers that maybe he should have been the first maybe he deserved that first round level pick and we haven't even seen Jair Alexander yet we've barely seen anything (laughs) like Kevin King again a situation where a weakness became a strength we knew what Kevin King could do a little bit with some of the flashes mm-hmm. of brilliance that, he, that he's had coming into this year. But now, and especially in a position like cornerback, I think the two most important positions on a defense are defensive end, those that disrupt the pass, passing game at the point of release of the quarterback, mm-hmm. and at the cornerback position, which is where the football goes typically yep. to the wide receivers. You have strengths at those two spots Everywhere else on the defense is going to get better. And to be able to make the cornerback position what was a weakness, such a critical strength, is big for this Packers defense that has had to improve. Hashtag fire capers for the past <laughs> six years or so. Now it's going to become a strength potentially with the Mike Pettin scheme and with the, the talent that's on this defense. Now, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about um, Mo Wilkerson, so let's get let's get into that. I mean, this defense in the first 20 minutes of the game, if that defense can exist for four quarters, you're not going to see 34 points on the board. 
through the passing game, you won't see 34 points on the board. Mm-hmm. With the running game, that was what a little. It, yeah. did. I mean, they, if you look at, and this was uh, courtesy of Greg Matzik, my cohort at WTMJ Radio, the Steelers had runs of eight, 25, 26 yards for a touchdown, eight and 10 consecutively. Mm-hmm. They gave up some big time gashes in the running game yep. and on a lot of middle runs. And I, I'm not going to say I paid attention enough to what Mo Wilkerson was doing on those five plays. Mm-hmm. I had to follow the ball with what I was doing with <laughs> responsibilities. But there were plays when you saw Mo Wilkerson stuffing the run and making havoc in the backfield for Pittsburgh at other times. I feel like he's a silent, gentle giant. Mm -hmm. Do do you know what I mean by that? He's he's one of those guys where you don't necessarily say, oh my gosh, big play, big play, big play. But if you go back and you watch the film, he's working. (laughs) It's a lot like what you expect out of Mike Daniels. Yes. He sometimes is going to make the splash plays, but what he's also going to do is tie up enough guys, create enough havoc in the line where linebackers and safeties can flow to the football mm-hmm. and stuff the run and also be able to cause enough of a push when it comes to the pass rush up the middle to keep a quarterback honest. That's what they're asking Wilkerson to do. You may not hear his name a lot as the guy that's going to make the play, but he's the type of guy that's going to make others make the play. All right, well, we could keep talking, but they tell us to only go for 15 minutes. So we got to wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining us on Green and Gold Live. Uh, hashtag Green Gold Live for on Twitter, Facebook. In case you guys have any more questions, maybe we can get to them throughout the day. Um, I know I'll check and I'll see if I can answer any questions. I'm sure Jay will do the same. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.